I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Dirty blonde hair. I wouldn't be ashamed to be seen with you anywhere. You got something I want plenty of. Ooh, a little touch of your love. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about, yes, Hazel from 1974's Planet Waves is fellow Bobcat David Crix. Hi, David. Hey, Rob. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you here. This is uh, this is really cool. So, yeah, we're here to talk about Hazel. Uh, Planet Waves has been getting a lot of love lately. We did an episode on Never Say Goodbye right. on recently, and a couple other songs have been coming up in emails that I've been getting from people who want to uh, join uh, the show. But before we get to all that, of course, this is your first time on Pod Dylan, so i got to ask you, like, how did you become a fan of, of Bob's work? Yeah. Uh, so my story is in two, it's not too different than a lot of uh, mm. Bob Dylan fans. we Grew up in my house, my household with a lot of music, a lot of 60s music. So Bob was always present. But, you know, I, I think for me, what happened was I spent a lot of my summers at, at camp up in northern Ontario. And at those camps, music was a big part of the experience and, and sharing music and hearing different kinds of music. And I kind of picked up my love from Bob Dylan from other fans and, and other people at camp who were huge Bob Dylan fans and he you know his music kind of grabbed me there and I think that's what happens when you kind of find that attachment to Bob Dylan his music grabs you and um what a time right like the early 90s and and (laughs) I think it was around 91 that I'm talking about so like the bootleg series comes out then and then I think 93 is is the 30th anniversary concert I'm not sure if you know anything about that (laughs) (laughs) a world gone wrong and then unplugged and then and then which kind of was our album um Time Out of Mind comes out. And, mm. and it was just such a great period to to fall in love with this music. And I think for me, Biograph was just such a, an important album to just take me through the history of Bob in kind of a quirky way. And, and you know, I, I don't know if there's been a day that I haven't listened to him since. Wow. So now you're saying this, the, the you started hearing this stuff at camp. Was it from like the... Uh, I've never been to camp, so I mean, I don't have a vague idea of how that all works. But it's like, is that from the older kids, like the counselors? Because I mean, Planet yeah. Waves. Play, I mean, even you're talking 1991, 92. Planet Waves is almost a 20 year old album by that point. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Everybody, you know, you're sharing at that time. Everybody came to camp with these these big CD books, and I, I'm sure you <laughs> remember those, right? Like, I do. Big heavy CD books, and, and <laughs> yeah. you would share and, and swap CDs and. Some people had these amazing Bob Dylan collections, <laughs> and, and and I think that's really kind of uh, where, where my deep Bob Dylan love comes from. Do you remember what it was that that really sold you? Was it the the songs? Was it the voice? Was it? I mean, you're talking about Biograph. You can, I mean, Biograph is a really great primer set for anybody yeah. trying to get into because it, it covers so much and everything is so varied. I mean, do you remember what was it that that hooked you so so much? Definitely the combination, uh, the voice, the, the the different kinds of songs that you would hear, and of course the lyrics. Right? I mean, I think you mentioned in a in a previous um, pod, Dylan, about Shel Silver, Shel Silverstein. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we're all kind of kids of Shel Silverstein and his amazing imagination and, and use of poetry. And Bob was kind of a, a grown-up version of that. <laughs> it's an interesting way of looking at it. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but I could, I could sort of see that. Uh, and, he, of course, Bob's covered a couple of Shel Silverstein songs over the years and stuff, too. So hmm. uh, have you had a chance to see Bob live? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen him every time he's come to Toronto uh, since uh, the mid-'90s. So that's it's about... 10 or 11 times I traveled to Ann Arbor to see him, which was an amazing concert um, in the late 90s. One of those concerts in Toronto was one of the last concerts ever at Maple Leaf Gardens, which was significant for a Toronto person. Um, but he's here often. So it's really great that um, when he does have a tour, <laughs> unlike our, our current situation, mm. uh, Toronto is usually one of those stops. Right. It's a it's a huge city. So, I mean, you understand why he would hit that. So what did you, I mean, what have you been, how, what have you thought about the concert? You said you've been to a bunch of them. Obviously you like them. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about the, when you go and you engage with him as a live performance? Cause obviously it's, as everyone knows at this point, it's so incredibly different than what you're hearing on the records for the most part. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it's kind of been some ups and downs in that. Like I, I remember that the first few times I saw him were in real kind of small venues. There was, um, place called the concert hall in toronto which is a really small venue compared to like where i've seen him recently which is arena rock you know and mm. i think what what strikes me most is the last time i saw him just how much his voice has improved and and, and the band has always been awesome but just you know he just he's, he seemed to have figured out how to sing you know in his current day uh, catalog it, it kind of fits him better mm-hmm. um, you know and, and i don't know if that was the same thing uh, you know four or five years ago I one of the uh, episodes uh, a little while back, somebody mentioned that they thought that him doing the uh, the Sinatra records, the the yeah. covers records, has really I don't want to say taught him how to sing differently because that's probably a little much, but I think he has is approaching his singing in a different way, and I think you hear the results of that on Rough and Rowdy Ways. You know, I think For he sure. and and I, I have to think that yeah, if you're if you're forced to sing. Uh, we're well, not forced to, he's doing it himself, but I mean, you're forcing yourself to sing another kind of song and you're not relying on you the melody that you've constructed. You're, you're relying solely on your vocal performance. And a lot of those songs that Bob did when he was singing those covers in concert, it was just him at a microphone. He wasn't playing guitar. He wasn't playing keyboards. It was just the vocal. And yeah, he's probably, I think a lot of people that don't know Bob Dylan would not think that he has a particularly great instrument. That's a battle that's long been waged but they right. w- i think they'd be surprised if if you'd hear dylan fans say yeah it's 60 years in he's still finding new ways to that part of his art and he's like really yeah but yeah he is he absolutely is so i love his voice on on rough and rowdy ways i really do and it's um you know it's become one of my favorite albums and, I, and i'm surprised to say that his latest album has become one of those albums but i find myself constantly putting it on isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I just a couple of days ago, I tweeted out about that I had put on uh, "Murder Most Foul." Uh, it's I, I, well, I put the whole record on and right. I hit shuffle, and it started with "Murder Most Foul," and it had it. It had been a couple of weeks since I'd heard heard that song, and I was like, "Man, I geez, this is really pa- like wow!" You know, <laughs> it was, right. yeah. all it took was a couple of weeks to get a little bit of distance from it and go. Wow, this is really amazing. And what a, what a remarkable thing to say. And I've seen some people say on Twitter that it is their favorite Dylan song. And imagine wow. that. Imagine that, that you're a Dylan fan and he can produce something again, 50, what, 58 years into the career. And that's your most favorite thing. What a, <laughs> incredible. What a deal for Universal. 
it is quite the deal for universal yes so uh okay well let's let's talk about hazel which is a song that you suggest universal now owns (laughs) yeah i'm covering uh one three hundred million dollar song at a time yeah uh as i said it's from 1974's planet waves uh i i quoted the first verse of the song at the top of the show and the song goes on Hazel, stardust in your eye, you're going somewhere, and so am I. I give you the sky high above, ooh, for a little touch of your love. Uh, So I know I don't need any reminder to know how much I really care, but it's just making me blinder and blinder because I'm up on the hill, and still, you're not there. Right. So, all right, David, why did you want to talk about about Hazel? Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not one of Bob's most famous songs, obviously. It has special meaning to me. Um, I've always loved this song. It is well, is an inspiration um, for the name of my second daughter. And I just love it. And I don't, I don't know um, what it is about it. it it's not necessarily, um, you know, Bob's most lyrically dense song. It's, it's no. not necessarily, it's one of his, um, I don't even know if it's a standout on that album. It just hits me. And every time that I've listened to Planet Waves, I love Hazel and um, never skipped it would always kind of listen to it. If it was um, on a rotation of uh, Bob songs that I had a playlist, I would include Hazel. And um, <laughs> to this day, I still like it as much as the first time I heard it. I like the way he sings it. I like how some of the lyrics just tell a story, and but it's it's not dense. And he does it just in the Bob way with a line that just can get your mind going and thinking of so many different things. It's a when great you, song. When you pitched Hazel as the name of your daughter to your wife, did you... Fess up that this is where it came from, or did you? Oh, she, she knew the song already. She oh, okay. Song. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, living with me, you hear a lot of Bob Dylan, so um, yeah, she okay, uh, <laughs> <just> heard that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this is a, Bob is in a real romantic mood on Planet Waves. You know, I mean, some of these songs are remarkably straightforward in their romance. You know, and, and whoever he's aiming at, the narrator, sure. we, we all can guess who he's talking to. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there is some some grit uh, on the album. It's a Bob Dylan album. It can't possibly exist without some grit on it. You've got like Wedding Song, which we've covered already, and sure. Tough Tough Mama. Those are some some dirge certainly yeah. uh going going gone but then you've got again these songs like never say goodbye or hazel or you angel you right. uh, or something there is about you which are beautiful just almost, yeah, yeah. Re- but almost, like remarkably simple mm-hmm. uh i mean when you think about the just a couple of albums earlier bob dylan was you know writing these incredibly complex songs and then then here he's got a song where he's ending you know the three out of the four verses with ooh a little touch of your love, which is, you know, about as hoary a kind of a cliche as you can get. Yeah. And yet when you've got Bob Dylan singing it, it works. Right. Um, it, and you've got the band playing behind him. And, and I think that definitely adds to the charm of that album, especially for me, uh, Robbie Robertson's guitar. I mean, the whole band, um, you, you definitely hear something different with, with them backing Bob. Uh, and, and that's part of it. It has to be part of it. What do you think exactly, or maybe you haven't, Maybe it's more intuitive and you haven't thought about it necessarily, but what do you think is sort of going on in this song? Because it's not straightforward, as you mentioned. I mean, some of the songs on Planet Waves are a little more story songs, and this one, not so much. But this this sure. really is kind of all over the place because he seems like he's the narrator is with Hazel, and then it seems like he's not with Hazel necessarily. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the opening, the line about... Um, 
I wouldn't be ashamed to be seen with you anywhere. Yeah, it's a little uh, condescending. Yeah, a little bit. But then you could also see that Bob Dylan's just kind of being cheeky. You know, I wouldn't be ashamed. Like, he kind of knows the the narrator. Again, I keep always confusing yeah. the two. How do you not? But you could see them. Feels like there's some type of, it might be maybe like an inside joke or something with yeah. talking to. Um, you know, and even when he's waiting on the mountain and still she's not there, or the hill and, and still she's not there. I mean, usually he's, he's chasing after somebody. He's not waiting for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, he doesn't need a reminder to know how much he cares. Uh, these these lines <laughs> that that kind of make you question who exactly who is he talking to, and 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 why is it such a mystery? It's, it, it, there's nobody, and you know, I know a lot of songs. We kind of assume the muse. I'm not sure I know who it is in this song. It could have just been somebody he ran into in a store and wrote a song around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, they said the, the in the second verse, he's got "You're going somewhere, and so am I." That feels like there's that's got a right. bit of a um, uh, push and pull kind of thing, where the yeah. the pers- the object of the affection is not on the same track, yeah, uh, yeah. as as the, as the narrator. And it's it's a line that kind of goes by because the rest of it is so romantic. But there's a lot of separation implicit in this song, despite the fact that the vocal is so warm and the song is so warm. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the 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 melody is so beautiful, but yeah, they said there's a lot of kind of distance going on here, and it's sort of it, I don't want to say I didn't notice it because these words are remarkably straightforward, but it's not it's not something I really paid attention to until I don't know the 500th time I've heard this song because when you first hear it, you just kind of oh, you know okay, it's just a nice song about a girl named Hazel, maybe maybe right. it's a girl who knows <laughs> you know it could be a dog we don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know i mean for me i relate to it as, as it being a girl and someone special but it's an abstract minimalist painting right and he's he's allowing you to kind of fill in the blanks and i like that that it that it's not it's not giving you too much but it's giving you just enough to create a story even in your own head about who hazel may be and but even his relationship with hazel um because the lines are a little bit off center. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of abstract minimalist painting, kind of like the cover of Plant Who Waves, which oh, wow. has a kind of yeah. abstract minimalist sort of feel yeah, to it. Totally. You look at it, yeah. Um, the song, the the final verse of the song is Hazel, you called and I came. Now don't me play, don't make me play this waiting game. You've got something I want plenty of. Ooh, a little touch of your love. So yeah, now he's reversing it. You called and I came. Right. Now don't make me play this waiting game. So wait a minute. Now what's going? <laughs> this this Hazel woman called him, and now she's not there. So again, there's a, yeah. a lot of separation in this very sweet song. Absolutely, and, and that that um, don't make me play this waiting game. I mean, the way he delivers that line and actually throws in the word game, kind of uh, you know a little bit late. Uh, one thing I like about this song, and I know that many Bob Dylan fans have their favorite Bob Dylan voices. I love the Bob Dylan voice on on Planet Waves, and I love the way he sings this song. He he has inflections that really nobody else does, and you can hear a lot of that on um, even when he's talking. Like when you listen to Theme Time Radio Hour, he says yeah. things in a way that most people do not. And uh, one of the things again that I think makes someone a great singer is knowing how to bend the words to the melody necessarily, and he bends things in a way that you wouldn't expect. When that line that you mentioned, where he says where he stretches out, uh, now don't make me play this waiting game. He's like, waiting game. Like, he stretches yeah, the right. waiting really far out. And it's like, you know, how do you know to do that necessarily unless you just keep 
trying and hearing what's right. But yeah, he has inflections that most people would not try because I don't, I don't think it occurs to you to sing it that way. No. And you almost, you almost, the word game almost misses. And like, you, you almost have to catch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I just, uh, you know, I love that. I love that quirk of this song, this simple song that has all the, these quirks and, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. Now, I would have uh, have you played uh, Hazel for Hazel? Oh, all the time. <laughs> People hear Hazel all the time. I mean, she's, um, you know, I saw her smile, I think, for the first time when she kind of caught that it was her name recently. So oh. kind of a <laughs> moment. You know, this song, <laughs> this song is an interesting song, and I don't know if this is, this is part of um, what you were getting to, but... It's also been brought out by Bob at a, at a couple really interesting times. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That is one of the things I, I definitely wanted to talk about is the 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 live performances of the song, which are very minimal. Uh, mm-hmm. He is he has only ever done it uh, seven times <laughs> in his whole career. Yeah. Then the first time was at the rehearsals for the MTV Unplugged sessions, and I can I can remember when I finally got a hold of the MTV Unplugged. Uh, bootleg, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> and and I was shocked that that was like Hazel. He's pulling Hazel out. That yeah. was well, really I mean, amazing. It's actually there's actually um an eighth time. There is an eighth time that took place during the last waltz. And, and does he play? Does he does he play during the last waltz? He does, and it's got a real cool uh some folklore around it, right? So it is not part of the last waltz video. No, right, as, right, okay. Because, um, as as we all know, Bob Dylan's uh, lawyers went into the Scorsese uh, production truck after the last waltz was finished and seized all the tapes and, and negotiated them <laughs> with Bob Dylan's songs would actually be in the movie. And the one that was pulled was Hazel. Oh, wow. And for a long time, uh, that version was never seen or heard until... A few years ago, when when it was revealed that that uh, Bill Graham had a secret recording going, black and white recording, <laughs> and uh, and and Hazel was on that recording. I've and never I heard this. That that now you can actually, if you go and you search the the 40th anniversary of the Last Waltz, that Hazel song is on there, and it's such a cool version. It's amazing. Uh, a few things stand out. One, I mean, as Bob does, he changes the lyrics, so. <laughs> Instead of, um, he starts with moon dust in your eye, you're going somewhere, but don't say goodbye, uh, mm. which would have kind of a, a take on the second verse in the, in the Planet Waves song. Um, and then he says, you've got something I'm dreaming of. Oh, uh, a little touch of your love, which is, you know, again, he's flipping it. And then he says, oh, a little touch of your love, um, dirty blonde hair, let's go and know that I don't care. Mm. Uh, and he sings it in in such a, a different way. It, it rocks. Um, it, it's not as slow a ballad. And, um, you know, it's it's a little known kind of appearance of this song and not even officially acknowledged as a live performance on uh, a lot of the official Bob Dylan set lists. Or, not even on BobDylan.com for Pete's sake, which you think would be not. the ultimate authority. For sure. For sure. Wow. And, it's, it's just interesting that he pulled it out. Now, it kind of makes sense. One of the songs that he did with the band. Sure, sure, I guess, sure. you know, it makes sense that he would pull it out then. I don't really understand the inspiration for pulling it out in 1994 uh, <laughs> during rehearsals. Uh, but again, it's kind of one of those secret YouTube videos that exist. 
and it's a super cool version. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing that uh, that I learned from researching the song for the for this episode was I have the bootleg where he does Hazel, and it's a good performance. I like it. I like it quite a bit. It sounds, uh, it, you know, his voice is different, but in terms of the melody, it sounds the same basically. And I, I like it. And I was I thought it was cool that he would pull out such an old chestnut. I had no idea until BobDylan.com came around that it was outside of the last waltz version, which you just talked about. It was literally the first time he played it live anywhere i had no idea but then i found on youtube the bootleg of the actual rehearsal where it is just bob and the band playing in front of empty chairs (laughs) and wow is that fun to watch because you literally see them sit there and kind of like kind of just kick it around Right. And there, there's a point where Bob starts playing a harmonica solo in the middle, and then he stops and he talks to Tony Garnier, and Garnier is like, "Well, you could try that." And it's like, it's it's really amazing. To, you never get to see footage like that where no. it's them figuring out what they're about to do. It's really remarkable. It's a it's it's astounding. I've hardly ever seen anything like it in terms of being a Dylan fan. I love that version. It's kind of bluesy. It's more bluesy than the Planet Waves version, and. and yeah, I, I, obviously the unplugged album is great and I do enjoy it, but I think this would have made it even better. And, um, you know, it's cool that that video exists and especially that end part that you're talking about when they're kind of debating whether he should do a harmonica solo or not. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. It's just the, the unplugged concert, uh, again, not to get too far off of, of Hazel, but the unplugged concert is such an interesting piece of Dylan Arcana because it's mostly, obviously like a greatest hits kind of collection because obviously they were sort of trying to sell him to a different audience. I mean, it's, it's like a Rolling Stone and Dignity, which was a single at the time. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, then uh, he, you know, he pulls out John Brown, right. uh, which he's never done. He, there's not even a version of that. And then, then to pull out Hazel. And I'm, he said, I'm curious as to why, uh, you know, it didn't make the cut, you know, why he decided not to use it. That's unfortunate. There's some, there's some remarkable stuff on that. I, I really got to do an episode on, on the MTV. On the unplugged, yeah. Because yeah. some of my favorite live performances are, are the are cut songs from MTV Unplugged. But anyway, <laughs> this was the first time he did, I said, outside of Last Waltz, which I now know, I'm learning on the air. Um, yeah. this, this MTV Unplugged was the first time he brought it out. And then it, then it got put away again for another decade. Right. And he tried it twice in 2004, four times in 2005, and that's yeah. been it. That's it. He's never done it again since. Now, there is on YouTube a uh, a video of him performing it at the Beacon Theater on April 29th, 2005. And I like that version a lot, too. I mean, it's 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 so fun that when in the middle of the song, he goes out and gets the harmonica, yeah. and you see the crowd flip out. I So yeah. few people... So few rock acts or musician, not rock acts, music acts have such a relationship with their fans that the fans get excited when the musician pulls out a particular instrument. Like people just go nuts when he gets a harmonica out now. Yeah. And that crowd is unbelievable. I don't know. You know, I've seen the version you're talking about and the crowd really stands out in their reactions to just hearing Hazel for the first time and the harmonica part. And, and I don't know what they were like for the rest of the songs. Um, but it, <laughs> you know, that just seems like a concert that I want to be at. Yeah, I'll it's a, myth concerts right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it said it's it's a really nice version. He does a great job with it. And again, we always have to wonder about with him, like why, what 
get what what gets his dander up to try Hazel <laughs> a couple of times in 2005, and then obviously I don't know what he's dissatisfied with it. You never know with him, but right. he put it he put it away pretty much. I mean, I know he's only you know he's got 20 songs to do in any given night, and he's got 500 songs to pick from, right. not including covers. So he's yeah. got a lot of material. But it, it's so funny that Hazel. Is sort of I mean, you mentioned that he changes the words for the last waltz version, uh, yeah. and then obviously that was not retained because the versions that he sings on MTV Unplugged and the one yeah. he sings live are the the version here on the record. Exactly. Yeah, he went back, and um, you know, I just uh, just back to the last waltz thing. I also find it interesting that 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 he had that moment with Scorsese and kind of pulling this song, and yet Scorsese went on to do two. <laughs> <laughs> documentaries if you would call rolling thunder review a, a documentary just just curious just you know just part of the bob dylan folklore mm-hmm. there's you remind the when you mentioned the last waltz that reminds me of the time and i i think i've mentioned this uh in another episode at some point where bill graham uh you mentioned the guy that put together the last waltz or the famous rock promoter mm-hmm. uh he, he used to do the the he did an interview with Bob Costas for Bob Costas's later with Bob Costas yeah. show that used to on after Letterman. It's one of my favorite shows ever. And I'm right. so frustrated that that show has just gone down the memory hole. Like you can't find it anywhere. Right. Um, but boy, that was a great show. And he did several nights, I think with Bill Graham and Bill Graham told a story about working with Bob for the last waltz. And apparently just a couple of minutes before Bob was supposed to go on, uh, somebody goes into Bill Graham's dressing room and says, Bill, Bob, Bob wants to see you. Okay. And he goes in there and Bob had decided he doesn't want to go on. He didn't want to go on. Yeah. Bill, Gra- Bill Graham was like, what, what, what do you mean? You know, <laughs> you're, the, you're, right. the, you're the conclusion of this concert. So then Bob finally does go on, but he says, I don't want to be, I don't want to be recorded. Right. And Bill Graham's like, what? <laughs> like yeah. no, we can't not do that. <laughs> and he decides he was going to record it anyway. Cause, and as he's telling the story to Bob Costa, he's like, no, he's like, what's Bob going to do? Not talk to me anymore? Like, he was right. just like, okay, the hell of it. <laughs> and it's that recording that you get that version of Hazel. Yeah. <laughs> Bob was in a mercurial mood that night, uh, <laughs> even more than, than he is usually. But that, yeah. I'm so glad. I have to go dig that out now. I'm sort of ashamed I didn't know about that version. I'm just that happy it exists. That, that I can bring something like that. that, that yeah. That's, cool. that's really cool. I said that's that's really, really interesting that he would bring. I mean, he sang a couple of Planet Wave songs at that show. They sing Forever Young, uh, uh, at least. I think maybe just two. Is it maybe I mean, just, uh, just the two? Okay. All right. Yeah. There was an, okay. He, he did a bunch of, um, you know, uh, man, I'm trying to remember. I know he did Baby, Let Me Follow You Down. I know he did right. that and, one. And so. I don't believe you. I uh, shall be released. Right. I shall be released, which was um, kind of the finale song. Right? Yeah. 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 Huh. You know, and um, but maybe that's my job as a Toronto guy to remember things that the band does. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, 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 I love this song. In its simplicity, I can't say it's one of my particular favorites, but it it so fits of a piece on Planet Waves. Uh, I mean, of course, obviously with the sound, he's got the band going behind him, and they have this they have this incredibly the band has this wonderfully muscular sound to them, uh, which is sort of fun to listen to. It's kind of I don't want to say it's surprising because nothing's everything and nothing is surprising with Bob Dylan in a certain way that. Right. Um, that he didn't try this song out when they went on tour, you know, right. they, when they went on this mega tour, they played, you know, a couple of dozen cities and a, a couple of hundred dates or whatever, whatever it was. And this song never got a tryout. That seems interesting. I don't that think you would, a lot of Planet Wave songs 
do really even like to this day. I yeah. mean, forever young is kind of the standout that will always be around, but yeah, I, I don't know. I and mean, I know that you did the, the, the wedding song episode. Um, how many times has that been played? Like they just don't get a lot of play. I don't know if it's a, just a Hazel thing, um, which is why I think it's cool that Hazel kind of pops up at these unusual kind of significant times. That's, you know what, somebody with a lot of free time on their hands and, and uh, an Excel spreadsheet could come up with uh, like a yeah. rating of like every album and how many outings has each song gotten live. And then you right. could rate them by like, somebody out there do that. I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but somebody <laughs> out there do that. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be me, but somebody out there do that because that would be a very interesting observation to see overall what album gets the least play of all of his original albums. Which one? Yeah. I, I bet Planet Waves would be pretty far down the list because I'm looking at the songs right now. I mean, you've got like Dirge, never been played live. Right. You know, On a Night Like This, never been played live. Really? I'm surprised yeah. that one's never been played. So, yeah, Planet Waves is, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, so unsurprisingly, Forever Young is the one with 493 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It really tilts the al- album off on its axis a little bit, but, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, I mean, it's, talking about my children, that, that has even become a children's book. In, right. Um, in, in one of my daughter's, uh, kids' libraries. Oh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Like I said, Hazel has said it's, a, it's a sweet song. I, when you and I first talked about uh, doing a show together and you mentioned that, I, I sort of like, <laughs> when doing when doing this show there's kind of a couple different approaches you can take sometimes somebody will offer uh like we did the episode a couple of months ago on desolation row when yeah. someone said they wanted to do that i was like oh that's a challenge because it's that's desolation true. row i mean that's almost intimidating for me right <laughs> yeah and so that but then on the other hand you say but hazel is also intimidating in its own way because like how much is there to say about hazel Really, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of so simple in its own way, and it's not been performed live a lot. It's not a, an ongoing part of his catalog, really, in a lot of ways. It's not. There are no famous covers of it. It's not been used even in like advertising or anything. Like, doesn't have that sort of second life. Well, not yet. We'll see what happens. Not yet. Now, now, yet. now that Universal owns it, I'm sure <laughs> it'll be used for lots of things. Yeah, but, I mean, but, and I'm glad that that you were you were up for talking about it. Obviously, I, I mean it's got a special meaning to me and I'm, I'm so grateful that, that you gave me the opportunity to be the person to talk about this song. And I think that everybody kind of has those special Bob Dylan songs that may not be yep. the, the, the ones that everybody kind of loves, but for some reason it hits you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's cool that, that there's a place where you can go and talk about it and <laughs> people, you know, who, who really are digging into Bob Dylan and, and listen to this podcast can get something out of it. Uh, that and, and my favorite recent uh, Pod Dylan podcast, the one with Rebecca and Hearts of Fire, which is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everybody's favorite episode, the Hearts of Fire yeah. episode. But yeah, I'm very charmed at the idea that there is a little girl running around with a name <laughs> hey, named after Bob Dylan. And it's a song that she will have to, as she gets goes through life, um, yeah. explain to people because it's not a famous Bob Dylan song. You know I what I mean? It's, yeah. Like it's. How did you get your name in the schoolyard? And she says, "Well, yeah, my dad liked the Bob Dylan song a lot." Yeah, that, that, that's very charming, you know. And as yet, it's not a song a lot of people know. So, so well, David, I mean, thank you so much for volunteering to come on the show, and and thank you for for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Oh, Rob, man, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I think that you do an amazing job, and and that there will be generations of Bob Dylan fans who 
uh, are going to listen to this podcast <laughs> and you deserve a lot of credit for that because uh, this is, you know, a podcast for Bob Dylan uh, song by song is not an easy job and you do, <laughs> you do, so you do really well. So thanks. Well, thank you. I said it is the guests that make it easy because it's the conversations I get to have. That's the best part about it. So why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? At my man DK on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, please uh, follow me. I'll follow you. All right. Very cool. Well, I said, of course, uh, all the episodes of this show are on our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're always talking Bob over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. And finally, if you want to support the Fire Water Podcast Network, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. And there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Henry Bernstein, Max Hutzel, and Sebastian Krug for their support of Pod Dylan. I really do appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Hazy, dirty blonde hair. I would be ashamed to be seen with you anywhere. You got something I want, plenty of. Ooh, a little touch of your love.